This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. HPE GreenLake takes HPC Cloud on-prem. How the U.S. can do more in supercomputing. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell, joined again by Tiffany Trader. Tiffany, we're getting close to the end of the year, but we still have plenty of news this week in HPC. Let's start off with a big announcement from HPE offering utility computing, including high-performance computing, on-premises. Yes, this is all part of HPE's expansion of Green Lake. They recently rolled out a set of pre-configured HPC services via the HPE Green Lake platform. Uh, plan general availability for this is spring 2021, and the uh, the new managed service offerings can be de- deployed on premises in the customer's own data center or in a colo facility. Uh, bringing in HPE's HPC portfolio into the mainstream enterprise segment and putting their their hardware on, putting this cloud services uh, on-prem, as you said. Yeah, this is an interesting development from HPE and right in line with what we've been describing as the market dynamics in high-performance computing uh, all through this year, where we've been talking about, yes, the growth in cloud computing, utility computing kinds of models. But in our very recent webinar prior to supercomputing, we were talking about how a lot of that growth is not in direct cloud spending, but in what we could call cloud-like sorts of deployments. And this is what HPE is moving into here, your ability to have a system that's on your site or on a site you control but still pay for that as a service or on a utility computing basis um, that's a, a really interesting way to sort of combine the benefits of on-prem computing with cloud computing yeah and as you uh, you pointed out you you see this mirroring that trend as you as you commented for for my article on this so some more details here uh, HPE plans to launch this offering in the spring with small and medium sizes. Uh, they're going to be offering it in small, medium, and large sizes, initially in small and medium sizes based on HPE, uh, Apollo, and ProLiant servers. And then they say they will uh, have plans after that to expand to the large size offering. That will leverage the Cray line and technologies, including Slingshot, the, the high-speed interconnect that's part of what they we what they used to call Shasta, the XE supercomputing line, as well as the Cray pro- programming environments. The Cray EX line, the Cray EX line uh, that EX, was yes. Shasta, XE being from Intel. Now we've got a lot of these different combinations to get hard to keep track of uh, for us as journalists and analysts in this space. But it is an interesting development. I'm a big fan of the T-shirt size configurations from small up to XL, especially this time of year with everybody shopping online. I think the big benefit that this really brings in, though, uh, T-shirt sizes notwithstanding, when we look at what are some of the barriers to cloud computing? It's not like people haven't heard of cloud at this point, but a big reason why most of high-performance computing still gets done on-prem as opposed to off-prem or in the cloud has to do with data gravity, data movement, data control, a lot of things that we could wrap up under the 
the headline of data sovereignty, really. If I want to keep control of my data or keep it on-prem and understand where that computing is taking place, there's a lot of cost involved in the movement of data to the cloud. And then it doesn't always come back so easily either. And for people who want to keep all of the data on-prem, this is a way to keep the compute on-prem and maintain data sovereignty while still paying on a utility computing basis. I don't mean to imply that there's one solution for everybody here, but for people who've held back from going to public cloud, but who want the utility computing aspect. That's the niche that this is trying to fill with HPE GreenLake. Yeah, uh, HPE says that there's no upfront cost here and that the, the model attacks the over-provisioning problem, uh, allowing some elasticity uh, of resources. And they say that the deployments can be completed in, quote, as little as 14 days uh, of course, there's some some wiggle room in, in the phrasing there, you know, giving the the minimum. We don't know what the, the maximum uh, time would be there. And, and also, this isn't uh, HPE, or at least this isn't Cray's first foray into super, offering supercomputing as a service. They also have, a, a, a Cray had an arrangement with that they announced back in 2017 with Azure. And they, they said that that continues to be on track and is growing. And that arrangement provides the capability for existing Azure customers to order an HPE supercomputer, in, including the cluster store storage, um, and that will be deployed in the Azure cloud and integrated with Azure services. So to your point about data gravity, you know, that's another way to address data gravity when the data gravity is, is uh, in the cloud and, are, and you're already using those other services as well. Yeah, in a way, I think this is the mirror image of that previous strategy where before you were talking about I'm going to take a Cray I've owned and then I pay for and then I'm going to co-locate it with my cloud resources so that I can keep everything there. This is going the other direction now, taking something that rather than owning it, I'm going to pay for it on a utility computing basis. It's really taking cloud and moving it into my location. And I like that you brought a business model here with regard to no upfront costs. I was uh, aware that HPE was uh, uh, advertising it that way as well. And I think there's an interesting implicit point in that, that HPE is saying that from their experience, if, if we go ahead and deliver HPC's um, uh, infrastructure, on uh, at your site that we have confidence that you're going to use it that it's not just going to sit there idle and we're not going to collect any money for it now i don't know if there's some kind of minimum built into the contract but i think implicit in this business model is the notion that if we deliver it to you it's going to get used and hpc has tended to be like that that when it's there it might take some time for people to figure out uh, how to test drive the new toy uh, but eventually it gets filled up and then of course as you said there's the opportunity to do additional elasticity or bursting over the top, presumably out to public cloud partners. Exactly. And, you know, that brings uh, to a final point here. HPE indicated that they have plans to further evolve the GreenLake cloud to allow customers to manage across all these environments, you know, in including, I think, Azure, which would be this unified multi-cloud uh, ecosystem managed from, from one, one point. 
This is an interesting story, and it's covered in more detail on HPC Wire. It's also related, the notion of access to high-performance computing is related somewhat to our other story this week in HPC. I caught a report and webinar from the Center for Data Innovation. Uh, the report was entitled, How the United States Can Increase Access to Supercomputing. It's a report of a couple dozen pages. It is well worth a read for any of our listeners. Listeners, and they did a webinar to boot last week. The lead analyst is Hodan Omar from the Center for, for Data Innovation, and she was joined by um, uh, Sharon Brody-Geva, who's the head of women in HPC, Andrew Jones from Microsoft Azure, and Cheryl Martin from NVIDIA to talk through some of the conclusions of this report. It makes some interesting recommendations in the industry, most notably that the United States should be increasing funding for supercomputing through both NSF and DOE uh, to the tune of about $5 billion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so if just for, for listeners who aren't familiar with the Center for Data Innovation, it's a global think tank studying the intersection of data, technology, and public policy with staff in Washington, D.C., and Brussels. So they came out with this report and webinar and a, a list of, I think it was a list of 11 recommendations uh, in the report. And one of these is, is this, this funding amount you announced. So they say that, that Congress should Congress should provide 10 billion dollars in HPC funding over five years with at least 500 million per year for the NSF and at least 1.5 billion per year for for the DOE and they know and that there's a there's a there's a nice there's several nice charts in there and one of them notes the the the, the, the spending over time in the last decade or so and how it's it's gone up a little bit for the DOE but it's it's dropped uh it's dropped for the NSF in, in some places rather uh, precipitously. There's there was a 50%. There's been about a 50% drop in spending at the NSF over time that they say has re reduced the supply of of mid-range systems. Uh, and then they're also emphasizing AI. The AI that these are the types of systems that AI researchers need, and they they just really make a, a plea and a case that lawmakers need to invest. In, in expanding and balancing and, and rebalancing the, the country's HPC portfolio for the, the sake of U.S. leadership in, in HPC and artificial intelligence. Yeah, thank you for correcting me on the total amount of money. I said $5 billion as I was introducing the story. It is $10 billion over five years, as you outlined. And that was really only the first of 11 recommendations that are made in the report. Uh, those are related to increasing access to a larger range of HPC researchers, talking about trying to match supply and demand, looking in particular to requests for service units through Exceed and how much more demand there is than supply right now. So the the that's where the $10 billion figure comes from is trying to match the future supply to the current demand. Now, I don't know that that means that supply and demand will equal forevermore. I think the more supply there is, the more competition you get for it and the demand will will go up accordingly. But beyond that, they're talking about increasing access to the long tail of researchers who would leverage high performance computing but don't currently have access to it, including the notions of better access to HPC for women, better access to HPC for minorities and minority serving institutions, and better access to HPC for states that don't currently have it. One of the most interesting things in the paper is a geographic chart that for each, each state looks at 
current levels of federal funding relative to how much grant, how many grants they get through uh, exceed, and then making recommendations based on areas that seem to be underserved on a relative basis per capita. It's an interesting sort of analysis that went into it in a different way than I'd looked at it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple others uh, that are on here um, are uh, NSF should establish and and uh, publish roadmaps that articulate what future investments it will make. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how they would go about doing that, but I think it would be nice to see more more uh, visibility and, and transparency, you know, into into what their future plans are. Uh, and then another one uh, we we both like NSF should foster more public private partnerships. I've been a big fan of the notion of public-private partnerships in general. If you're talking about trying to develop the talent pool for high-performance computing, then doing that in a way that's consistent with the needs of industry is a way of helping to ensure that that talent becomes part of the employment pool. If you know, One of the top-level things that gets said in a lot of papers like this is we're going to increase the nation's competitiveness through these tools. Well, to me, you have to draw that line all the way out. If you're going to be doing this where you develop the talent or increase access to research, how much of that actually stays native within the country? And if it's American companies that are are, uh, reaping the benefits by eventually hiring this talent as employees through a public-private partnership, I think that squares the circle in a sense. Uh, It really brings it about to where now you have uh, uh, completed it and done what you said you were going to do. I think it's an interesting report overall and was definitely worth the read and there's there's nothing really in the conclusions that I would disagree with I think for the for 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 how big some of the recommendations are I would have liked to see a little more thorough research to bring it a, a, across uh, and and there's and in the webinar itself there was some discussion around uh, the haves and the have-nots with respect to elite universities that I would have liked a little more clarity on but in general I'm in favor of the conclusions in this report and I would suggest that uh, any of our listeners goes and reads it yeah I, I d- agree with that too go read it um, a lot of these like are hard to argue with support for greater funding equitable funding greater access more diverse equitable access uh this this 500 million um figure seem, seems reasonable to me for for a 50 50 state effort like this so overall good to see a report like this putting the message out there keeping these important topics in the spotlight and giving them the uh, attention they deserve and hopefully moving the ball towards more concrete actions and steps that just about wraps it up for this week in HPC, and we're getting toward the end of this year in HPC. Um, we're going to be back and be able to do a year in review as well as a, a year look ahead, and we'll see what 2021 has in store for us. But it has certainly been an interesting 2020 in HPC, Tiffany, and I look forward to breaking that down with you in a podcast soon to come. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, and thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.